0: Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a Trailbreaker. Through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscapes of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it the way they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is an amazing woman who I'm lucky to have as a friend and colleague. Sandy Schultz Hessler has a long history of breaking trail. From her time as a Dean at the Harvard Kennedy School, to her co-creation of the startup intensive in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to her most recent venture, Six Minutes Daily. We had a great conversation about what her life is like now, living on her mini ranch in Idaho, as well as the work she's doing with emerging and existing leaders, helping them to find a new level of peak performance by tapping into things like purpose, values, balance, and flow. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Good afternoon, Sandy. How are you today?
1: I am wonderful. So good to see you, Aaron. Or good to hear you.
0: You too. And, um... Thanks a lot for joining the show and excited to hear all sorts of things about what you've been up to and where you're headed in 2021. Me too. <laughs> so I know you have a new ranch over in Idaho. Tell us a little bit about what's going on over there and across the pass.
1: Uh, well, I think ranch might be a bit of a stretch for any real cowboy, but I do have land Um it's absolutely inspiring, expansive. Uh, I bought 28 acres on uh, Fox Creek, surrounded by mountains in the middle of the valley. The coyotes go off multiple times a day and night. Uh, so you definitely feel like you're in a bit of nature. Um, The sky is huge, the stars are pulsating, it's blissful. And I live in a yurt that's 750 square feet. I have an outhouse that's a very fancy outhouse that a friend built um, with an incinerator toilet. Um, I have no running water inside the yurt but I do have a well right outside and it's just reinforcing every day kind of the joy of just daily living, the joy of doing the dishes, the joy of turning on my uh, little hot pot for water, um, and the realization of how much I overused of water, of many things in, in my life. and. Um, So it's just a good wake up call on how do I want to live the next 40 years? And I am building a house. So uh, I I will again have a big kitchen and and all those other things. So I'm not going off the grid, Um, but it's a beautiful place to spend some time.
0: Sounds amazing. So what prompted you to jump over the hill from your house in Jackson and start this new venture?
1: Um. Since I was a kid, I wanted, I wanted the ranch or let's call it the ranchette <laughs> or the little farm. Um, and just the peacefulness. Uh, I've S I first saw this land, uh, a friend of mine owned it about seven years ago. Um, you know, and I think in life, I learn more and more that timing is everything. Uh, and my youngest child just graduated in June um, and everything fell into place. I went out there one evening at the sunset and was just awestruck by the colors. And uh, Neowise, the uh, comet that we only see once every 600 years, was out there at night. And it was like all the signs were saying, this is waiting for you. Um, and. I'm excited in the next phase of my life to have a lot less weight to carry, to um, really be able to, to look around and say, what do I need? How do I connect more with the earth? How do I connect more with nature? How do I create a sanctuary to help others do that? Um, so in Victor, it's far more um, affordable to do those things. And the vibe is really beautiful. Um, these coyotes are just funny to hear. They sound like they're a hundred. I don't know how many they are, but.
0: And, and when you talk about the vibe, did you mean the vibe of the coyotes and the land and in the, the quiet and the in the nature? Absolutely. Or, you, or yeah. also the vibe of the, of the town?
1: Yes, everything. You know, you just go over the hill and yeah. I've lived in Jackson now for almost 12 years, uh, which is incredible to me. And I love Jackson, so I'm not um, trying to disparage it. But there's just, there's this expansiveness. There's a slowness. The traffic is different. Um, you know, lots of people in their jeans and T-shirts, you know, in the summer or the fall, just not worried so much about... External things, and uh, you know, a lot of organic farms. So the vibe of the people, I think, is very connected to the vibe of the land.
0: Um, yeah, I feel that too when I'm over there. And uh, you know, you've you've been in a lot of different places through your life, from the East Coast to big business to super high education at Harvard. And in terms of kind of where you're at now, you talked a little bit about continuing to help people. And that's always been, I think, a theme in in what you've been up to, whether it's raising kids or as a dean or as an entrepreneur. But what does that now look like for you in the next few years as you settle in over in Victor?
1: Um, you know, it's something I think about a lot, as you know, <laughs> from our, our past conversations. I get a uh, the, the stronger and stronger voice of concerns about the sufficiency of the world and, and technology pushing us potentially into directions that might not serve our greatest physical, emotional, mental health. Um, and I think efficiency is great. I think technology is incredible. It's amazing. You can be in San Francisco and I can be in Jackson and have this amazing conversation, but we need to make sure we remember why we remember what the center point is. We remember what success looks like, you know, what the goals are of how we want to be as humans from our health to our relationships, to our connections, to when we go into an office or an organization, how we treat each other and you know, to me, all of that turns into leadership, life leadership, organizational leadership. Um, and that's really in all those different aspects that I think center back to what is the world we want to live in? What is the world we want to leave for our children? Um, that's the next, you know, spirit willing 40 years of my life um, in terms of using my voice, using my experience and my skills and my knowledge, whether it's through workshops or through writing or through books um, or speaking engagements or wonderful podcasts like yours to really help us think about, can we step back, slow down for a minute, remember what it is um, in terms of the values, how we wanna live our life, what we wanna do, So that when we walk into the day, we have that clarity and it is in the small steps. It's not, oh my gosh, I have to go be, you know, leave everything and go, you know, walk in the desert. It's just the little steps every day.
0: So you're, you're living and taking your own medicine.
1: I'm trying and and seeing how hard it is as well.
0: (laughs) Funny how that goes. And then talk a little more about the specific things that you just mentioned whether it's books and workshops or or other things you've got in the pipeline because I know some folks might be familiar with your work with the startup intensive that you help create or some of your coaching but what what are the things that do you have your hands in that are that are you know maybe soon to pass or that maybe we might not know about that have been happening
1: right well and a lot of it is work in progress right now cuz the number one thing I'm uh, excited about is taking some time off and finishing the PhD that I always wanted to. So um, I'm working on that in East-West psychology, just trying to expand, deepen into, you know, what did Jung say? What are the, the really great philosophers and thinkers out there doing? What do we know about neurobiology uh, that can get into to consciousness and behavior? So I'm having a blast really playing in that in that field. And I have a year of coursework left. So, so I'm being mindful of not saying I'm gonna go fill up so much time that I don't have the moments to have that kind of just uh, observation about what am I thinking and where do I want it to go? So that's one piece. Um, but I'm still loving doing my writing. Um, I have a book coming out. Um, next winter spring kind of waiting on all the covid and the world really called six minutes daily and it's about the the quiet shift in the seismic change in our authentic leadership um, and doing many workshops through uh, friends of mine in my old life at uh, harvard business school and kennedy school there's some amazing programs coming up outside of those those organizations for emerging leaders in communities that have gone through a lot of change in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, Last Friday, I did an authentic leadership workshop for 70 of those emerging leaders around Boston. And it's interesting when I talk about authentic leadership, I really am saying, can we slow down? Can we step back? really go through processes of aligning, of first creating the awareness of what are our values, creating the awareness around the idea that we have choice in the big things, in the little things every day. And how do we create the space so that we respond effectively and we don't just go on autopilot in reaction, which I think um, a lot of people are doing these days, and you know, I for sure do a lot when I get tired or frustrated or triggered. Um, but how do we learn to really say, Who is it that I want to be? When I look back at my life 50 years from now, how do I want to have lived? What do I want to have left? And then we go through processes of creating the small steps and the various practices. And then we can build on all the great leadership strategies and skills and tactics and you know five principles to to go in and build an organization but without this center point i think um, it's easy to get lost so but the funny thing and the reason i say that is it, it went over i think quite well with all the folks and i had many people saying I wake up in the morning, I don't even have a minute to myself. How do I find that minute? And, you know, what have we done as a culture to so reinforce, you know, ready, fire, aim, versus the thoughtfulness of ready, aim, fire, that the people are in these lives of saying, I can't find one minute to breathe. And so, I think that's a mindset that we can start to, to just turn a little bit, to find the little grace in the space, as I call it, <laughs> I don't nice. know, but it sounds fun.
0: <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a perfect encapsulation of it. So how has the response been from the variety of folks you've, you've been chatting with? Sounds like some, some emerging leaders. What about seasoned leaders? Uh, how have they or have you had a chance to connect with them on this yet? And if so, how have they reacted to it?
1: I have, and you know, it goes the gamut. Um, some very seasoned leaders say, this is huge, you know, come into the organization, how do we build all of this before we start a meeting? How do we align on how we wanna show up? Um, you know, how do we allow ourselves to, to do some mindfulness exercises? Um, And there's still, there's a lot of skepticism that says, you know, this is great, but it's so idealistic. You know, we have things to do. Um, I was in a meeting yesterday uh, with a group of people in, in a startup, and one of the mentors said, it is just amazing. He's just so authentic versus some venture capitalist having the idea, you know, from New York and never really understanding it. But he said it with this skepticism and this surprise. And so I think there's a lot of people out there who still are so financially driven that they love all of that, but think it's still a bit Pollyanna-ish. And that's where I get to have a lot of fun to say, why are we here then? If we can't find joy, um, then, then I don't know quite what the point is. And I started a speech I gave last week um, with the slide that said one to fifteen thousand, and so I asked folks. I said, "So what do you think it's you know stands for?" And you know, one person said, "It's it, you know the amount of seconds I give myself versus what I give to everybody else," or it's the um, the amount of people who want to talk to me, one to 15 days, you know, it's just all these funny things. And I said, well, I think the average age here is about 40. And let's assume we live to about 90. So sometime between right now and 15,000 days from now, it's done. And this is an inspiring talk. This is not a morbid talk, but it's a wake up to say, you know, the five years, I'm going to be better in five years. I'm going to be slower in five years. I'm going to be more thoughtful in five years. I'm going to have more time for my kids in five years. Like five years is always going to be five years until we decide it's today. Um, so.
0: And for you, as somebody who has balanced a whole host of things at any given time for his least as long as I've known you and I'm sure far longer. What did you finally get sick of with yourself? And when what were outside of going over to that ranch and saying, Okay, now's the time to buy this thing but prior to that, obviously you've been living this world and and, and teaching what you believe for a long time, but what were the things that you were just done with with yourself?
1: Um I think the realization, and I love sweaters, <laughs> but I don't really need any more sweaters. Now, just the, the stress of the hamster wheel in myself too, that we need to work to go get things or, or do things. And then we go get and do them and then you know feel guilty about the credit card. So then we, or I, you know, say I have to justify it or work harder so that I don't feel guilty about it. And really just stepping back and listening to my own medicine um, around the only way to slow down is to commit to slow down. Um, so I, I, I got so excited about it. I created an app called Six Minutes Daily um, that's free, that's out there, that tries to, to slow us down. And I'm still in the midst of what do I really want to do with it? So I'm not... I'm very mindful of not wanting to jump on my own hamster wheel to have all these happen that I lose the connection of this burgeoning thing called space that I have. Um, so it is all about finding the balance. One of the, the books that I've outlined that I haven't um, fully written yet is, you know, Remembering Balance in the American Dream. That how do we hold on to this vision of we can do anything and be anything and you know the American dream that's kind of been the light on the hill, but again make sure what's the center? Why are we doing that American dream?
0: So I think it's fascinating, you know you, I didn't want to interrupt you and I, I started to giggle a little bit when uh, you said, well I created an app to help me to focus more on being mindful. And I thought to myself, (laughs) I remember the time in which you were creating this and, and you were, as your friend and as your colleague and as someone who cares a lot about you, you know, watching you um, really try to find the, the balance and define what you really wanted to be putting your energy towards and what you didn't. And at the time, I feel like there were a variety of things and this was one that got added on top and I wasn't sure if it was going to run, if, or if you were going to run with it, or if it was going to go, uh, you know, somewhere else. And it's really amazing to watch wh- where it's come and where you've come, because, you know, as someone I think is authentic and is so gifted and has so many things to offer the world when you're pulled in so many different directions, it, it may not be obvious to everybody else, but it was really, really obvious to you and finally got to a point where it's great to see, you know, you just really commit and really find that space. And I I see it in our interactions. And uh, when we got to chat from your front porch of your yurt, uh, it didn't seem like it could get any more peaceful.
1: (laughs) That's great. You know, one other piece that just hits me that I think in this transition is my dad died when he was 52, way too young. And I was very close to him. So I think this whole idea of the awareness that it doesn't last forever is really true. And, you know, you come up, I've read about other people, when you come up to the age your parents were, um, when they passed away, and then, you know, you kind of blow through it, and all of a sudden, it's like all new territory. Um, I think that definitely... It hits me a lot to say every day that I've been given and now it's been five years more than he did really makes me say, let's treasure all these moments. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, and at a similar age, um, my uh, partner and my husband at the time came down, you know, woke up one day and didn't feel good. And thought it was a cold and it ended up being really serious brain cancer. So just this idea of the wake up. And again, I'm not trying to be morbid, but just to say, wow, how do we, how do we find that the flow I don't like balance? Cause then everybody thinks it has to be like this, you know, pie that's cut into equal pieces. And I see it more as my sons love the um, voodoo boards and that it's this flow in finding, finding all of that, but remembering um, what it means to go home inside.
0: I think that's a really important nut to crack for people is to, you know, we always hear about how there's this sort of come to Jesus moment when a major crisis that you wind up sidestepping, or you see somebody go through and that's when the light bulb clicks or you hit rock bottom. And you going back to what you were saying earlier with some of the more senior leaders and how they all believe this is good and the right thing to do but then to get the action the feet moving etc and finding that right analogy or or example or switch to help someone switch on that doesn't require you know a brink of death experience and i don't have that answer and and maybe maybe the work you're doing you keep seeing what has resonated with people. And if you have, please, please share it. But I think that's a, that's a magic bullet we all need to find.
1: Right. And I think the truth is there's not a magic bullet or better said there is a magic bullet and it's called this little voice inside us that maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, we said, you're really cute, but you know, I know my, my ego or my, you know, exterior self has a lot to do. So I got to go out in the world, and it's when we find time to allow that little voice, and, and I think it's a very shy little voice, that needs to um, really believe that we're going to take it seriously, even if it's just a minute or two. It, as we start to listen to that, changes happen. And I have one client who, years ago, we wrote the living vision of, you know, what does she want? She runs a multi-million dollar business, and. And it was very hard because she was very uh good at what she did and and controlling and things and as as that time came and she's been doing this work uh, she's empowered other people and learned to trust more and learned that you know a little mistake doesn't mean you have to double down and redo it all that you have to you know, just as with our children, we have to let them fall and get up again and and learn. Um, So it's been really fun to see in COVID, you know, she's off kind of doing some other things and still checking in, but that exhaustion of 80 hours a week in the the office um, is starting to shift and allowing other people to really rise up and they're doing a great job. Uh, I had another client who has a very holistic business and was working so hard. And I said, okay, you love yoga. Everything you do is about empowering your employees. When was the last time you went, right? Two months ago. And I'm like, but you walk into her, her establishment and it's all about this stuff. And I said, do you see the inconsistency, even energetically of you need to do it, but I don't have to you know, do as I say and not as I do. And I think I live that way too for 25 or 30 years. So um, it it really is helping us all get back there. And the fun thing is with five uh, sons all in their mid to late 20s, I get to practice it and see those shifts. Um, And one son and I were laughing the other day because he was saying something back to me. I'm like, damn, if you know, if I had had all that wisdom at 26 or 27 years old, you know, how how different life would be. And I'm not at all, compl- I have a, a great life. Um, but I do wish I had the inner security or awareness or support to say some of the choices could have been different, or I could have learned how to say no more easily.
0: I think, I oh, I, and I see that with my clients who are in the younger part of their career, maybe in the same age range as your boys. And it's such a awesome thing to witness how, how courageous, how brave, how, um, out of the box, how creating new boxes that whole generation thinks. And when you were saying earlier around that little voice that is there, and then, you know, you put it aside and go plow through and do what you're supposed to do or what you think you're supposed to do. I've watched how a lot of those folks in that generation, they all speak the same language, but I watch some of them sort of start listening to the folks my age or, or my parents' age and what they should be doing or, or, you know, what they're doing is not the right way. And those inner battles that they struggle with to know who to listen to. And I think the, the things that you're talking about and teaching and getting people to pay attention to is to, is to, keep listening to what's inside. And, you know, it's about being humble and about learning from wisdom and having people all around you at different levels to, to learn from, but, but to really not ever put that little voice away. Right.
1: And, and I think the piece in that little voice, it doesn't mean, you know, there's, I love the, uh, the learning about three levels of happiness, right? That when we say happiness, somehow in our culture, it just means pleasure. You know, let's go out tonight, let's have a beer, let's go snowboarding, whatever it is, which is great, but that's only one, you know, and the deeper level, what are our passions? And that little voice can tell us. And then the deepest level, like, what's the purpose? Like, that's real joy, right? So I think many people in, you know, the older generations so much didn't um, give the opportunity to really. Pursue purpose and, and passion. So when they see um, my sons or younger people saying, Well, I'm going to do this for me, it immediately sounds very selfish to them. And I think that's where we can turn it around and say, That's not selfish. You know, that's really self enhancing. So you can give your best to the world.
0: 100%. And I think, you know, that reconnection with reinvestigating or reconsidering what your path, your purpose, where your joy comes at whatever level is something that is also really important for, for people to remember to do because you may be on that track in your 20s. And then we were designed to change and evolve and to be influenced in new ways. And you know, the agility and the flexibility that come from you know, not every single day putting yourself through the ringer of what am I doing and why am I doing it, but but different markers throughout our lifespan, it really is is important because you can start to drift and and maybe not be unhappy, but maybe be less uh, on point or on purpose than you could be. And I think the bravery and the the commitment to always looking deeper is is really important.
1: Yeah, I, I have one client. We work a lot with um, living visions you know, go ahead two years, five years, but write that vision when you wake up in the present tense. So you can really feel it in your body. Anyway, uh, she's a graphic designer, had a a business, really wanted to live on a boat. And this is six years ago. Um, And it's like, okay, well, how would that work? Let's create it. And so she has a business that's three to four to five times bigger depending on the moment than it was a few years ago and she's living on a big sailboat but when she feels like it she's in Arizona so long before COVID she created this virtual world that allowed her to say what's important and yes I'm very um, committed and talented with my clients and graphic design and tech and web development, but how can we create this that also allows all the other pieces to flow? And I think when we do that, as Stephen Covey said in Seven Habits back almost 30 years ago or more, when we do all of that, all the financial rewards do come. And that's the trust that we need to have.
0: Yeah, getting clear, really, really clear, things very quickly start to roll downhill and the world conspires to send you all of the people and opportunities and um, ability to say yes or no to the things that that you are very crystal clear that you that you now know. And, uh, you know, my father, who's a longtime psychologist, you know, related to the 30 year work of Covey, you know, there's a lot of stuff that just gets recycled and reapplied and you know, I remember being really excited about some of the stuff that I was coaching and teaching on. And I shared it with my father and he laughed and he said, yeah, that's good. He's like, we did that about 30 years ago and we just called it X. And, uh, and what's funny is I thought it was brand new. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm behind. I need to learn all this stuff. People are moving and shaking faster than me and hearing him. And it made me realize, oh, okay. It's, it's about where you are now, who you're interacting with, what it's, related to how you connect it. And are you the person in this time that can have that impact with, with the people around you? Will they listen to me or will they listen to my father? And um, does the information really change or is the delivery and the timing? And that's not to say there's not new concepts being created all the time, but uh, it was, it gave me some, some clarity that there's a lot already at my fingertips and and that I can leverage. And it it doesn't have to be so hard. And also that not everybody tells you that stuff. Like some of the most seasoned, talented people don't always tell you what's underneath or, or give you the tips and tricks, or, you know, a lot of people play really, they have great poker faces and they seem to know everything that's going on. Meanwhile, they've just as clueless as, as you are, but they just have a better poker face. So from a perspective as a a mom, an athlete, a seasoned business person, uh, playing in the spaces of Harvard Business School and the Kennedy School, someone who punches across all these different weight classes. What would you tell? And you can come up, you can come at this from wherever you want. Anything that you have stumbled upon, you know, and then years later gone, oh my gosh, like that's so clear to me, somebody could have told me and saved me light years of struggle or frustration.
1: So there was a time, it was a very tough time. I was dark, I was, people had died and, and someone gave me the book, The Road Less Traveled. And I remember nothing else about the book except for the first page. But the first page really did, it was the big wake up call. And the first page said something like: if you think life is always supposed to be great, you're gonna spend half your time disappointed. But if you realize that life is the flow and it's about learning and growth, then in the good times, you're gonna be open to that. And in the challenging times, you're gonna know that the light will come again. And, you know, he said it far more eloquently than I just did but it was again the wake up call to say i think so much in our culture is around it's always supposed to be great we're always supposed to have this great poker face of i am such a stud right and the fact is this is this is a journey and as leaders as as parents as athletes there's going to be moments when we are flying so high and the next moment we're going to trip and feel like an idiot or make a mistake and to relish the mistakes to say, what can I learn from them for next time, but not look for you know, the, the pill, the drink, the whatever, to, to hide away any inadequacies or any feelings of sadness. And, and I don't mean to at all underscore um, depression. I think it's this idea though, that sometimes there's the flow. You know, there's night and day, there's there's warm and cold. And how do we find the inner light through, have the container of our own joy that's, that allows all of those other feelings without judging them as wrong or bad um, or ourselves even worse as, as wrong or bad or inadequate or um, not as worthy. Uh, so I think it, that's, that's one piece that was truly the wake up. And I think the other one that's come into me of late is I I didn't go to church much at all as a kid. I had all sorts of um, grandmothers of different faiths and, and I played music on Saturday morning. So I needed a morning to sleep in and convince my mom as such. But my mom and dad's whole philosophy was the golden rule, going back to what you said and it's just regurgitated, right? Whether it was Plato or, you know, Christ or a million other people who said it in different ways, you know, do unto others as you would want done unto you. If we all did that every day, as leaders, as parents, as, you know, contributors to a team, what an amazing world it would be. Um, so the, those are my underlying philosophies. <laughs> Um, and
0: right. well, hopefully, hopefully anybody listening to this will keep themselves out of a couple of holes, like not expecting everything to be a peak experience and, and relishing, relishing the flat parts and the dips and, uh, and connect and, and, and really, you know, spend time with people and communicating and, and, Treating people, again, how you want to be treated, I think is, this doesn't, doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And I think in closing, you know, there's, there's a couple of gifts, I think, from this whole pandemic. Um, And as someone, I think, tries to see the bright spot in all sorts of struggle, what would you say your, your brightest brightest star from this last year has been?
1: The quiet, right? The, the learning to be in silence and I think building my muscle memory or my uh, muscle tone of I can be more thoughtful and more uh, choosy or more spacious around when I say yes, that time is this valuable commodity. And is this, you know, the best use of my time, the best use of my gifts and connection to someone else. Um, so so the shutting down has, has forced that in many ways. Um, I, think, I think the clarity also of everything we've talked about on, we don't know what tomorrow is. And so how do we show up as our, our most real self, not as a victim, as a, as a learner, um, but to the world, because Um, you go back generations, this was our dark time, but you know, our parents' generation, they had Korea or they had world war one or world war two, or so again, going back to what we just said, there's these crazy things that happen. Hopefully they're going to be further apart and we're going to keep becoming more compassionate and conscious and thoughtful as a race for our planet. Um, but just the idea of the space. And um, I've become a, a vegetarian because I've had time to cook and, uh, and just feel great about that. I feel good inside. I feel good about the planet or doing a little part to um, help the planet. So yeah, space time to, to do some of those things that I didn't give a priority to before.
0: Awesome. So last thing I wanted to ask you about is if folks are interested in finding you classes, connecting with you, interacting, coaching, how do they find you? And and what's coming up in the next, say, three to four months, six months that they might want to tune into?
1: So I'm finalizing the schedule for some workshops um, that people can sign up for via Zoom, since we've done all of those. So those will come out. Um, The best way is to go to sixminutesdaily.com or to email me at sandy at sixminutesdaily.com and six is S-I-X, not the number, Yeah. And I've just so enjoyed our friendship over all these years and this time here together and um, look forward to much in the future.
0: Well, it has been a pleasure both knowing you and also getting to spend the last hour or so with you. And I'm really glad that you joined the show and all the best in 2021.
1: Thank you so much, and uh, give it a year, and our little sanctuary in Idaho will be fully ready to to rock and roll and bring people in, and uh, milk a cow, and get some eggs, and go for a horseback ride.
0: I will be sinking up soon. <laughs> <laughs> I will be sinking up soon enough to come for a visit.
1: Sounds great.
0: Happiest holidays to you. Thank you, Aaron. You too. Take care.